Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I want to let you into a secret. Anybody that's been doing Holiday Club with me the last few days will probably know it's the worst kept secret ever, but I'm actually a control freak, a complete control freak. I like to know what is going to happen, when, where, and how. I'm not looking at Phil because he's probably nodding so much that his head's going to fall off. I don't like surprises. I don't want surprises. I like to know what to expect. And the problem is it isn't always easy to predict what happens next. Often we just don't know what to expect. And I imagine that this is much the same for how Moses... Oh, no cheer? Okay. <laughs> Moses and the Israelites felt when they got to the banks of the Red Sea. As the children have learned, Moses and the Israelites had up to this point already experienced some pretty incredible things. God's protection over Moses as a baby, God's desire to communicate with him, and for that matter for us. He might not use a burning bush, but he's still got plenty to say to us. Really, it's our choice whether we listen or not. On the third day, we explored the ten plagues sent to the Egyptians and the consequences of not obeying God. And this brings us neatly to the part of the story that we look at today. After finally experiencing personal loss through the death of his own son, through the final plague sent by God, Pharaoh releases the Israelites from captivity, from slavery. And they flee immediately. And we join the story when the Israelites need to cross the Red Sea, but find that the Egyptians, having changed their minds, are fast approaching. So I'm going to invite Steve to come and read for us the account from the Bible from Exodus 14. God spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn around and make camp at Pi Hathiroth between Migdol and the sea. Camp on the shore of the sea opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost, they're confused. The wilderness has closed in on them. Then I'll make Pharaoh's heart stubborn again and he'll chase after them. And I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my glory on display then the Egyptians will realise that I am God. And that's what happened. When the king of Egypt was told that the people were gone, he and his servants changed their minds. They said, what have we done? Let in Israel, our slave labour, go free. So he had his chariots harnessed up and got his army together. He took 600 of his best chariots with the rest of the Egyptian chariots and their drivers coming along. God made Pharaoh, king of Egypt, stubborn, determined to chase the Israelites as they walked out on him, without even looking back. The Egyptians gave chase and caught up with them where they had made camp by the sea. All Pharaoh's horse-drawn chariots and their riders, all his foot soldiers there at Pi Hathiroth, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians coming at them. They were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us, taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you? Leave us alone here in Egypt. We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid, stand firm, and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. 
Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see them again. God will fight the battle for you, and you, you keep your mouth shut. God said to Moses, why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites, order them to get moving. Hold your staff high and stretch your hand out over the sea. Split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and God, with a terrific east wind all night long, made the sea go back. He made the sea dry ground, the sea waters split. The Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground, with the waters a wall to the right and to the left. The Egyptians came after them in full pursuit, every horse and chariot and driver of Pharaoh racing into the middle of the sea. It was now the morning watch. God looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud on the Egyptian army and threw them into a panic. He clogged the wheels of their chariots. They were stuck in the mud. The Egyptians said, run from Israel. God is fighting on their side and against Egypt. Thanks, Dave. So despite Moses and the Israelites having experienced some incredible sights, nothing could prepare them for what was about to happen. They needed to expect the unexpected. Moses trusted God. He'd seen God's protection in his life, seen God do amazing, unbelievable things. He listened to what God asked him to do and he obeyed. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and it turned into dry land. What an incredible sight this must have been. After seeing this, would you ever think anything impossible again? And the place in which scholars believe the Israelites crossed is a stretch of water that measures 15 miles at its widest part and up to a mile deep in places. This isn't the sort of sea that a strong wind can part. This needed God and the, and the Israelites needed a rescue mission. But this morning, I want to tell you something just as incredible. This story, the story of Moses, the Israelites, and God's rescue of them, is actually part of a much bigger rescue mission, and it involves you and me. We are part of the biggest rescue in history. I bet you didn't expect that. So I'm going to invite Philip. He's my glamorous assistant for today. He said he wished he had his crown back from last week. The budget didn't stretch that far. And uh, Phil's going to do a little science experiment for me to just demonstrate some of what I'm saying. So you see, when God created the world, he created it just as he wanted it to be. It was perfect, and he was in charge, the king. He made us humans in his own image, and he made us responsible for the world, but always under God's rule, honouring and obeying him. But somewhere along the line, men and women, you and I, decide that we don't like how God does things. We decide we can do it better, do it our own way. And instead of God being in charge, we take his crown and we wear it for ourselves. We ignore God, we reject him and the rules he has for us, and we try to run our life our own way to please ourselves. We might even try and interfere in other people's lives and tell them how they should do it as well. We're that good. But the Bible, the Bible calls this sin. And we're going to put some sin in. It's going to make a mess. And as we try to do things our own way, to suit ourselves, we often make a mess of things. 
Perhaps friendships or relationships have fallen apart, or we find ourselves in a crisis one way or another, or perhaps emotionally, we're just a wreck. We've been let down, and we've let other people down too. We've made a good mess. So we find ourselves in the situation of not only having made a mess of our own lives, and maybe others along the way, but in rejecting God, we've created a huge divide between him and us. Just as Moses found himself on the banks of the Red Sea with a huge expanse of water rushing past him, completely cut off and separated from safety on the other side, we too are stood on one side of the river with no way of getting across to God. We need to be rescued. And this is where we need to take a lesson from Moses. Expect the unexpected. It would have been easy for God, faced with humanity, faced with the likes of you and me, who reject his rule, who think they can do it better and are just not that interested in a relationship with him, to just walk away. To think to himself, ah, you win some, you lose some. Let's have another go at this creation thing. Maybe something a little less defiant, maybe a little bit less free will. To leave us, to leave Moses stranded on the banks of the river. But no. Instead, he launches the greatest rescue mission ever. Now, this is what's so expected. He doesn't orchestrate this from afar. He doesn't wave a magic wand over. No. He rolls up his sleeves and gets stuck in when he comes in the form of Jesus Christ. God sends his own son right into the middle to rescue us from our desperate situation and bring us back into a right relationship with him. And just as Moses and the Israelites were stuck in grave danger at the Red Sea and God parted the water so they could reach safety, God crosses the divide through the death, here comes the science, the blood of, please go red, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to bring us back to him. To bring us back to safety. To bring us back to where we've always belonged. With God as our king. Shouldn't have bought value bleach. He takes the rubbish and the sin from our lives through the death on the cross because he loves us and he wants us to be together. Thanks, Phil. You can sit down now. You can leave it. Now, you might be sitting there today thinking, well, Steph, that's all very good. You're talking about people in desperate need. Nothing in my life is that bad. I feel comfortable. I've got a nice job, a nice family. I've got everything I need. And besides, I've never done anything that wrong. Nothing that I'd call sin. I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm safe to just snooze through the rest of this sermon. Well, wake up! I want to warn you. You know, just a few chapters before, Pharaoh had said in chapter 12, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you've requested, take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go. The Israelites were so excited by their freedom, they gathered everything and they left immediately. They didn't even bother to wait to add yeast to their bread. That's how absolutely excited they were. They were so utterly convinced by their safety and their freedom. They could not at that point have conceived that Pharaoh would change his mind 
and that their safety be threatened. They failed to uh, recognise as they journeyed out of Egypt the danger they were really in. The Egyptians behind them and a seemingly uncrossable sea in front of them. You see, the reality is that in terms of geography, of where they crossed the sea, they'd not truly left Egypt behind and be completely unreachable from a pursuing Egyptian army until they'd crossed the Red Sea. They had to make that trip before they could call themselves saved. And perhaps you too fail to see the real danger that you're in. Your life may appear comfortable. You may think you've made it. You may even go to church. But your situation, until you've accepted Jesus as your saviour, is as desperate as the Israelites. And you need God as much as they did. So the challenge for you, if you're yet to be rescued, if you're yet to take your part in the greatest rescue mission ever, is to consider what is holding you back. I want to encourage you to think about what is keeping you on the riverbank. Why not stretch your hands out like Moses and expect the unexpected? And this might sound like a huge challenge. How can I do this? But when the Israelites stood on the banks of the Red Sea, terrified by the approaching force, they cried out to God. They were scared, but Moses reassured them. He told them in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God was asking for their trust. They didn't have to do anything. There was no ritual, no deeds, no good deeds, no sacrifice, just to be still. And the same is true for us today. If you recognise that you need rescuing, God promises you that he will fight for you. He's done this already through the death of Jesus and he asks that you just be still to trust in him and to rely on that sacrifice. You know, when you look at the glass, the milk didn't do anything. It couldn't turn itself back to white. It was the contents of the cup that was poured out into it that changed it. And it's only Jesus who poured out his life for us that can make us right with God and nothing else. And for those of you who've seen the waters part, who've accepted Jesus and the sacrifices of his death, don't think I'm going to let you off the hook that easily. There's lessons for us too. You've been rescued. You've made it safely across to the other riverbank. You've witnessed the unexpected. But what about now? The Israelites have been saved from slavery. They were on their way to freedom. And you would think that they would have been happy. But at the critical point when the Egyptians were on their tails, they raged at Moses and at God. They said to Moses... Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How ungrateful when you look back at all that God has done for them, the incredible miracles that they had witnessed in Egypt, their great flee from slavery. What have they got to moan about? But with the beauty of hindsight, it's all too easy to be critical and judge the Israelites for what seems like a complete overreaction. But let's just put this into perspective for for a moment. Egypt, at that moment in time, was the world superpower. 
And the passage tells us that Pharaoh took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots, in Egypt, and put officers across all of them. This is probably one of the greatest shows of military power at this point in history. This isn't just a handful of angry Egyptians. This is every conceivable weapon trained on a defenseless group of men, women and children. This is a perfectly acceptable reaction. It's no wonder they were scared. Wouldn't you expect that the Israelites might be terrified and in their fear lash out at the guy that was supposed to lead them to safety? What we're seeing is a normal human reaction. And let's be honest, if we suddenly found ourselves staring down the barrel of a world superpower's weapon, wouldn't we react the same way? In reality, it's fair to say that few of us will have or will ever encounter danger like this. But many of us know of a time in our life that was difficult, hugely stressful, and felt desperate. A situation that led us to cry out to God, to rage at the place that we found ourselves in. But I want to encourage you to hold on to the hope and assurance of God's promise to us. He will fight for us, and we will see the waters part and make it to the other side. When Phil and I were first married, Phil was applying for the next stage of his career as a doctor. We lived at the time in Birmingham, and after several applications and interviews, we found ourselves in the position of Phil not having a deanery, and therefore no job to go to when his current job finished. And this was disastrous for us. Phil was the sole earner as I was um, completing my teacher training. Uh, I was expecting Erin, and we lived in hospital accommodation, which meant that when his job finished, we would be homeless. And we were left reeling. We were scared for the future. We had several months where we just had to wait and see what was going to happen. And quite honestly, we asked God, why is this happening? The whole situation was desperate. And the life that we thought we would have was very quickly disappearing. Those few months for us were a huge test of our trust in God and our belief that he would protect us. But after a few months and more interviews, Phil was offered a job in Wales. And we said, why, God, why is this happening? (laughs) Seriously, the trust paid off. God brought us to Wales, dragging our heels, And we've come to see that this is God's plan for us. When we first moved to Wales, we said to our parents, don't worry, it's only for two years. Well, seven and a half years later, sorry. (laughs) But um, we've experienced God's blessing time and time again, and we continue to trust in him. It wasn't easy, but God brought us through. So the challenge for those of you that have been rescued Don't be too quick to judge the Israelites for the doubts and fears that they had, but hold firm to to God's promise of his rescue and expect to see him continue to bring you to safety along the way. And if you're still waiting to be rescued and you haven't accepted Jesus into your life, what are you waiting for? So as I come to a close... Remember that the God that separated the Red Sea to rescue Moses and the Israelites is the God that sent Jesus to rescue us and is the God that wants to have an alive and exciting relationship with you and me today. 
Are you ready to expect the unexpected?